0: We are. Delightful little chip forwards, San Jose, the covering player for Mark McGee. huge
1: waiting in the middle. Yes! Yeah, that is a magnificent goal for Aberdeen. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. We don't make podcasts for anyone else. It's been a settled lineup in recent weeks, and joining me this evening are the two Martins for whom we're going to have to come up with a better way of distinguishing from each other. Uh, for the time being, it'll have to be Martin Clunas. Good evening, Martin Clunas.
0: Good evening, Richard. I mean, if you wanted, if you wanted to come up with a nickname for me, you know, Ace or Duke or something <laughs> might be.
1: Are you twelve? <laughs> Um, Martin Ingram, what nickname would you like?
2: <laughs> um, oh, how can, how, how can you top Ace or Duke? I mean, um, I, I, I guess, I guess with the weekend theme, King would be fitting, so. <laughs>
1: OK, uh I Aberdeen
2: player might have that already so
1: yeah, let's just move on quickly um away from that dreadful opening to this podcast uh, 300 shows and' um, still hitting new lows um so since we were last with you, Barry Robson announced as the permanent Aberdeen manager. A decision which was becoming, obviously, increasingly difficult to argue against. I don't think anyone here will be arguing against this, Martin Clunas. I'm maybe of the opinion that there wasn't necessarily the need to change anything. Just on the really fatalistic football fan front of, you know, we're now in a position where third desires to lose. And it's a possibility, and I hope it doesn't come to this, but he could start his permanent reign off on quite a big downer
0: that is a that is a possibility yeah but i think i i think it was the, the right time um i mean he's had a very public um public job interview um and we went on a very impressive winning streak uh, with him in charge um so clearly there was clearly there was ongoing discussions and despite the fact that you know he was you know barry was giving it all they you know what you know one, well one game at a time you know i'm not thinking about that and he was just batting the questions away there was clearly obviously the thought was there and he was just playing it playing it cool um i guess you know you you could wait you could have waited till the end of the season but if he's gonna if he's gonna be getting the job i mean i don't see any problem with announcing it when they did um you know i think that it's the right it's the right decision to be made you kind you know you can't argue with with what he's done, and okay, yeah, we're going to obviously talk about yesterday, um, where the winning the winning streak came to an end, but I think it was it's the right time for the club to do it. I think you know we're we're, we're on a we were when it was announced on a on a very big high and a great run. Um, you know, he's you know I don't want to say secured top six football, but you know, like one of the one of the bare minimums we expect is to be in the top six. Um, we're going to be, you know, we're still in very much in the hunt for a third and um, we're in the box seat for a third, should I say? So I think the club, I think the club did it the right, the right way. Um, the, the, the good thing as well was obviously securing the coat to the right coaching staff for him as well. I think that, you know, I was very impressed with his interview. Um, you know, he's obviously talking about, talking about Steve Agnew, who has been, who I think has proved to be a really shrewd addition to the coaching staff. Um, a guy who's clearly very high, you know, is very highly thought of um, in in England for his for his abilities. So, you know, Barry being able to bring him in and the club club adding him permanently, the coaching team as well, is I think is an excellent thing. And it's it was probably probably done in a way to try and give us just yet another boost. And I think it probably will probably did do that.
1: Yeah, Martin and Grimmett <laughs> Again, I can't really have any debate about the decision based on the results because when he came in, it was looking really like a relegation battle and uh, not a battle to secure a European place. So again, you cannot argue with a record that was seven straight wins ahead of yesterday. The appointment of Steve Agnew welcomed as well, I think. Um, I thought maybe the, the news that came out just before Bayo Robson, the weekend before the Bayo Robson news was confirmed about Angus McDonald having signed a two-year deal. It was probably a bit of a giveaway, um, really, in terms of what was going to happen with the manager.
2: Yeah, and when, when it comes to what you were saying earlier about was there a need to make the announcement now, I mean, there's maybe two aspects to this. There's when did the club make the decision that barry robson was going to be the long-term manager and when do you when do you announce that to the public and i think once once the clubs made their mind up that they're going to be going with barry robson as as the permanent manager going forward then it makes sense that you make make that uh announce that as as soon as possible and when better to do it than off the back of a seven game winning streak um You're absolutely right there'll be almost universal consensus amongst the support for this and the important thing about making a decision and as i said beforehand i think really they probably could have made that decision earlier because once they'd went through their initial interview process and had found you know nobody on the open market was a a better option than what they what they had in house i think they could have actually made the the decision then but the the importance of that and again it goes back to i'm thinking when they got um going back to when they got Derek mckinnison in in place um with albeit at that time craig brown was still you know in 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 his manager at that time but it enables you to kind of get your feet under the under under the desk with a few games to go before the end of the season and Barry Robson's already already had a couple of months worth of that but it also then allows you to start making your your plans for next season in the confidence that you're actually going to be there and you've you've touched upon Angus McDonald now being uh, signed on a long term basis and in his most recent interview he was talking about the fact that the the players that are currently playing for him in in the starting eleven I think he we're all aware he has kind of 13 or 14 players that he's basically relying upon week in week out, and one of the things he said is they're they're trying to do their best to secure as many of those on on uh, permanent slash long term contracts as possible. So it obviously makes a lot of sense that um, if if you're wanting to start making those plans for next season as soon as possible, then you want to then you know make make that decision uh, as quickly as possible as well. Um, it has been acknowledged that it, it, it may be the case that we're not going to be able to hold on to everybody in the current team, but at least um, Barry Robson's already in a position now where he knows he knows the players, he knows who he trusts to play on a regular basis. Those are the guys he's obviously going to try and keep. I think it would be uh, easy to speculate that those players that have not found an opportunity in the last couple of months likely won't be getting that opportunity. To, to stay on um and and it just allows us to switch our focus forward um and the other thing is I know it's maybe this is maybe ending on a negative note but um as far as making that decision now it's a very low risk proposition because he's he's your your internal candidate so um you know it, it would be a far bigger uh risk to have not appointed Barry Robson go on the open market and bring in somebody for um undoubtedly significant money uh, only to have them fail within 12 months which is exactly the experience we had for our previous two managers so um he's you know exceeded all expectations in relation to what he's been able to achieve so far um we 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 are secure in top 6 football the likelihood is and again, we'll take nothing for granted, but the likelihood is that we're going to be securing European football by the end of this campaign. Um, and even if it goes catastrophically wrong, the worst case scenario is uh, we're we are secure for next season and we go about our close-season close business and uh, get ourselves ready for next season.
1: No qualms whatsoever about appointing a caretaker then?
2: He's not a caretaker. He's our permanent manager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he at the end of the day i i i'd go back to what i've spoken about beforehand i think if there had been an outstanding candidate in the marketplace that um, either through the interview process that the club has already done or or who was potentially floating in the ether just waiting to be available i think i think aberdeen have done some due diligence in the background and that's and that's why they've waited so long in order to make that decision um, but i think you know at at, at worst he, if, even if he wasn't the desired candidate, and I, I think we all know there is always some trepidation around going with the, the internal caretaker appointment, it doesn't always work, but it's going back to what Martin said, how, 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 how much better a, a, a job can, can you have done up to that point than you know essentially winning every game that you've been in charge? um i'm i'm happy with that worst worst case scenario it 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 doesn't work out um but you know we it hasn't worked out with managers with better pedigrees that you know technically technically um would have had you know much better credentials um externally than what barry robson does there's never a guarantee to success but um from what we've seen so far uh, i'm pretty enthusiastic for the future
1: all right, um, before the future, there was the past. And the past was Ibrox on Saturday, that den of inequity. Martin spoke there about there being 13 or 14 players that uh, Robson has really relied on over the last few weeks. Uh, he had to um, add a new name into that mix, Martin Clunas, on Saturday. Hayden Coulson coming into the side to replace the injured Ross McCrory. Uh, so news um, coming in after the game in by Robson's press conference that McCrory is getting a hernia operation. Now obviously it always depends on the severity of these injuries but hernia is something that players can and do quite often play through and maybe get a clean-up operation at the end of the season. Obviously we know that Ross McCrory has been heavily linked with a move to Bristol City, um, you've got to suspect that having this done now is related to that transfer, don't you? Isn't it frustrating that AFC are missing out on a player for some crucial games. Potentially, again, we don't know the full ins and outs of this, but it doesn't look great, does it?
0: Uh, it doesn't. Um, but you would ha- you would have to assume that you know he's been playing through. He's obviously been playing through a problem, um, and it's now reached the point where I don't want to say breaking point, but it's at a point where he you know he he can't continue. Um, I would like to think that that's the, that's the reason why, and just you no, know, he's not able to. He's not able to play on through the through the injury and it needs to be done hopefully it is just a tidy up Um, but when when you when you look at it you know with a maybe kind of more more cynical eye um, it does look very much like you know if he's going to be moving and this has happened as a precursor to any kind of transfer which when we're in the position we're in we're still no we're chasing guaranteed group stage European football um, if and I say like giant if in you know 12 foot tall letters um, if this is what's happened then it is it's, it's very disappointing um, and you would I just like I said I desperately want it not to be the case where the club have okayed this and you know just to get to get a transfer over the line um, I don't like the idea of a club as tin pot as Bristol City holding, holding that over us and um, that we, were, we we're willing to lose a player particularly in a situation where we find ourselves at the moment where you know <clears throat> McCrory's out we're still got we've still got Graham Shinney suspended you know I mean we're not quite at the bare bones but these are really really important games and have him missing if if it is just a a we a, t- a tidy up ahead of a transfer that is really really and really frustrating and annoying so I, I I desperately hope that's not what it is. Um, but you've got to admit, it does look very, very cynical, shall we say.
1: Yeah, and, and the club have been fairly quiet on it as well, not wanting to draw attention to it, I suspect, Martin Ingram. Uh, again, this is all caveated with big ifs and maybes, but um, reading between the lines, it, it, it's less than ideal to be without your captain already through suspension, and then to be without your vice-captain for uh, some of the games coming up.
2: It really isn't. And I would just echo what Martin said. You would like to think that this is a situation with a hernia injury. Because on the one hand, it's clearly something that he's been playing through up until this point. So you, you have to ask, is it something that he would have been able to get through um, at least until the end of the season? Um and if it if it was something that he was managing, it's only natural to question that with a potential transfer on the horizon. Is this something that has been okayed by the club in advance in order to effectively get that through the door? That would be disappointing if that was the case. But we'll, I guess we'll be charitable and say that it was something that he just simply wasn't able to to manage any further, um, and that he required to go for that surgery sooner rather than later. But yeah, it absolutely um leaves uh another gap in the team and you're absolutely right it's 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 most concerning when you're losing those players at the at the top of your leadership chain. Um we're gonna be you know I think I think we would have been struggling at um games at Ibrox and at Tyne castle without Graham shinny as it is without losing ross mccrory as well. And uh yeah, it's it's going to be challenging um but you know, it, it it does offer opportunities for other players to be able to uh, step up and be counted. Um, and we do at least go into those fixtures. We still we still have the advantage of being in third place and having that point cushion. So, you know, hopefully, win the the game or two that uh, or or three that are in our control and 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 get the get the results over the line, that would be ideal, but yeah, I'd rather have our best players available to us in the run in than not, and it's you know, it's a typical kind of northeast pessimistic view if it if, if it's if it does all go Pete tong, then I wonder whether it might be something that we'd be looking back and kicking ourselves over.
1: Uh, Martin Cleanus, the replacement, Hayden Coulson asked to fill in on the right hand side. Um probably says quite a lot about uh, Jaden Richardson's chances under by Robson, and uh, the chance of obviously Matty Kennedy, who'd been throwing in at right wing back early in the season, and indeed for Robson at Parkhead, um, his future post the summer when his contract expires.
0: Yeah, I think we, I think we probably all expected um, Matty Kennedy to be going anyways, Um you know, despite the fact you know that he could, he did get a little bit of an opportunity under Robson. You know, he's not, he's not been anywhere near. Um, Near this, near the, the starting eleven, he's been no, he's, he's miles and miles away from it. Richardson, talk about a forgotten man. Um, you know, when Coulson, is, when Coulson, Coulson is starting ahead you know, and this is our no, this is our own player who's who can't get who can't get a look in. Um, who, it's, it's really really disappointing that, you know, this guy. You know, he's gonna probably have to have to be moved on and moved on in the summer um another another failed transfer from the from from the, la- the summer window um which you know not gonna bang on about the ex manager um it just seems to be that you know whatever whatever's happened whoever sanctioned some of these signings, really wasn't looking at, really wasn't looking at what we were doing properly
1: um I mean they're gonna get is- a lot of credit aren't they for miofski and Lopez, yeah. but yeah, the flip side is, again, you don't know exactly on whose shoulders some of these transfers rests. So I think I think we've already kind of said we reckon Scales and Stewart were definitely uh, the former manager, Jim Goodwin. Um, Richardson, though, I think is probably a product of the scouting team, um, yeah. I think it would be fair to say. Um, remember seeing the, the eyes emoji from our former um, <laughs> scout uh, when he when he was when he joined. So yeah, for for the plaudits that they're going to get around you know widening the scope, looking at Europe. Rich isn't Ramadan. He's been fine. He definitely gets pass marks. Um, there are a few and. They've largely just not been involved, have they? It's been a of Richardson, who I don't think had has had injury problems, but there's the, the two wingers, Morris and, uh, God, I can't even remember. Connor Roberts, there we go. Uh, he just haven't had a look in it, and we paid isn't decent Colum, money no. for each of those players.
0: Isn't it Colin Roberts? or? Colin
1: it... Roberts, not Connor Roberts. <laughs> He's somebody else entirely, isn't he? Yeah, Who's Connor no. Roberts? Does anybody know? No, <laughs> have no, I just no. made Connor Roberts up?
0: There's probably some 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 regen in your football manager game, right? <laughs> At least I haven't
1: called Liam Scales John Scales for quite a while. No,
0: you've been fine there. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, a le- lesser lesser spotted Shade Morris obviously made an appearance yesterday as well. Was decent when he came on, but he's made pretty much zero impact. Richardson again, you no, know, really, no impact there other than some appearances when we were, you know, not exactly great early in the season. Um, so yeah, the, the the spotlight will rightly be shone on that and you know the you know, it's it's all very well, you know, talking about Duke, talking about um Majoski and Ramadani and all the, these great signings, but when you're, you know, bringing in other guys who, you know, are gonna have to be shipped out and I include you know, I include the you know, the former captain in that, you know, Anthony Stewart's will be going to go. I think five appearances in the McDon's went down. Um so Um, he's clearly he's made a stunning impact down there as well so um, that's clearly another waste of money um that is you know could tells 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 us why the first part of our season was really in such a tailspin um but it does mean it does mean there's going to be quite a little we know there was going to be a lot of activity anyway you know when you when you post the the transfer graphic on the on the feed, you can see how many people are coming up to up to the end of the contract this this summer. Um, you know, obviously loans going back as well. So there's going to be a lot of movement. But there's going to be guys who are on slightly longer contracts. They'll probably be getting moved on as well. Um, so I think that going back to what we spoke spoke about originally, they'll get you no know, appointing Barry Robson permanently allows them to be firm and make that decision about. You know transfers you no know, potential sign ins identifying people i'm sure steve agnew has probably got some contacts and will be you know how we'll have some people he's identified in england that might be be decent to bring in as well um so that's that's obviously something that's going to be a big there because there is a semi big rebuild in the summer there's going to be a quite a few bodies going in and out and um it isn't just guys coming out of contract coming out of contract at the end of the season um and i include Richardson is, you know, one of the top ones on that list. I mean, it's just, you know, you no know, unfortunately for him, it just hasn't happened for him. And we did have doubts about him, given that the level he'd been playing at. Um, I know technically he came from Forest, but you know, the level he'd been playing at isn't a level that is the same as Aberdeen play up. Um, so he'll be he'll he's one that will go down when we're doing and if we're still doing this nonsense in five years. Um, We'll put, you know, if we if we if we ever go get back to doing that, you know, worst transfer carry-ons again, you no, know, Richardson might be one of the ones um, names that get floated.
1: I think it's sweet. Do you think it'll take five years for us to start recycling our ideas, Martin? Um, <laughs> to the game itself, then, uh, Martin Ingram. As much as Luis Lopez is the golden boy of this side, and rightly has become fans' favourite. Two chances on Sunday. Not straightforward. Not entirely straightforward. The first one, it's not quite um, Kenny McLean to Johnny Hayes or Johnny Hayes to Kenny McLean in the 2017 Cup Final. But the pass isn't quite right for him. Takes him a bit wide. And the second, again, he's under pressure, going through at pace. Difficult finish to try and execute. But those are two chances that you need to be taking at any difficult away venue, Uh, not just Dybrox or Parkhead, but, you know, if we get those chances at Tank Castle in a fortnight's time or at, uh, away to Hibbs or away to Dundee United, those are the sort of chances that you, you have to be taking.
2: Yeah. The first opportunity, I don't think, I don't think it's quite as bad as the, the, the haze to McLean, um, uh, opportunity in 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 the Scottish Cup final at the very at the very least, Miowski's um, ball at least is good enough to give Duke the opportunity to try and finish it. But yeah, he's he's, he's just put a little bit too much weight on through ball, and instead of it, just um, we, we we've we've talked beforehand. It's a good to compare and contrast with the kind of ball you might have expected from Leighton Clarkson in that situation where he does have that ability just to be able to put it right in the the position that the oncoming player wants to receive it in order to be able to hit it first time whereas in this case the ball's just a little bit too heavy it's drifted across Duke he still managed to get a good shot on and you know you have to give credit to uh the other McCrory in that situation he's made a good stop but yeah, um, when in a situation, once you've got yourself two one one, the a pass to take the defender out, um, and and you've left your striker one on one with the goalkeeper, you you want to be taking that opportunity. Um, I think I think the second opportunity is the one that will really be looking back and ruining because um, Miofsky's done absolutely fantastic to beat the last defender. It's, it's actually really similar to an opportunity we got at Ross County where he's beaten. The, the the defender uh, and uh this time uh duke is considerably on the side in this situation rather than being a couple of meters too far forward to be given the the, the 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 through ball um as was the case at Ross county um so yeah uh great work by Wioski beating this man this time he's got the through ball absolutely correct and i think the only thing you can say is is, is it one of those situations where you know, it's the old adage. Did he have too much time to be able to think about it? I think some of some of Duke's best goals this season have been the ones where he's just had to hit it first time and react first time to the opportunity. And, and on this occasion, he's probably had two or three different opportunities. It's 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 easy if he's if he gets to chip right and he's lobbed it over the keeper and it goes in, then it's another absolutely world class goal, and none of us would be second guessing it. Um, but it did look simpler to just be able to put it one side or the other of McCrory I, I do also wonder whether he was reflecting on the last opportunity he had where, where he tried to beat him to, he tried to beat McCrory to the keeper's right hand side and he was able to get a boot out and I wonder whether that just spooked him this time around in, into thinking that he may be able to do something differently um, it's hard to be too critical, I mean they're not they're, they're not terrible missed chances but I think it's more the nature of the fixture that you know you are you are only going to get a few opportunities in those games and if you're not clinical and you don't take them then you do you do tend to suffer the consequences. But um the credit I do take or, or the credit I do give to the team is the fact that they did manage to create quite a number of opportunities in the game and and the fact just that in general we were incredibly competitive once again against them is is, is a great positive. Just just unfortunate we weren't able to capitalise on what we're a couple of great opportunities.
1: Okay, I I can accept that Martin. That you know we've gone to Ibrox and even this season we've had games where we've just not been in it really at all. Even though we took a lead earlier this season, but that was a that was a home team that were absolutely on the beach. The
2: the the big frustration I had was um, there was a sense when the full time result came through uh, from the Hearts Celtic game. Uh, confirming that the title was gone, and, and don't get me wrong, everybody, even 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 the most diehard Rangers fan would have accepted that 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 was gone by that stage. But in a game where you're at halftime, you're struggling in a in a in a nil nil dogfight, and then the news has come through that you're that, that you're, uh, well. They're, they're, they would view as their biggest rivals. I'm not sure how much of a rivalry it is these days, but it's come through itself because it won the title. And I think there was a real sense that there was an opportunity to get something from that game in a very similar way to how it panned out a fortnight ago when you were talking about, you know, another good opportunity, a, a, a game where um, the, 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 the players in the Rangers team maybe had their minds on other things and there was a real opportunity to take advantage. So... I absolutely agree the opportunity was there to get something from that match and we and we failed to capitalize but um I, I have I have said in previous games that I have been so frustrated in in matches where we have we we haven't even put in a semblance of an effort and we found ourselves two or three nil down, and the, the kind of thing that we supporters always say with you know at the very least we you know I could take losing as long as we put a proper effort in and we were you know so it would be a bit hypocritical to turn around that having got a performance that I would be really proud of to to be over overly critical about the team. And, you know, because at the end of the day, I thought we did play, we, 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 we've now played, if you take away that horrific um, defeat under Goodwin at Ibrox, um, that's now been four consecutive games against Rangers that we have more than held our own. Um, a game at Potaudry that we were winning and should have held out on before that injury time calamity. Um, the League Cup semi-final that we took to extra time. The win a fortnight ago at Petardry, and then a game that again, what 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 incredible progress that you know our last two games against Rangers I had. I had friends that were telling me that you know we shouldn't be hoping for anything from games like that. We should be hoping that we don't get embarrassed. And now that's a you know a a really good two nil win, and a game where we're actually looking back on it, having only lost one nil, and we're actually re- you know regretting the fact that we didn't get more out of it. I'll 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 I'll, 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 I'll I say I'll take that. I obviously don't I don't take. Uh, the defeats, but if you are going to lose, I'd much rather go out in that fashion.
1: Even when he's not scoring, Martin, you have to say, uh, Martin Clunas, you have to say that Lopez is very much in the centre of things. And uh, you know, it, when he had those chances, he had taken quite a, a serious whack on the foot early on, as Golson went through the back of him, um, stamped down his ankle early on. Then there is a quite remarkable non-decision. Uh, later on, um, Duke out muscles Goldson in a similar way which he did to Dundee United defender ahead of scoring that great goal at Tanadice. He's going to break into the box. He's hauled to the ground in a movement that starts outside the box so it definitely finishes inside the box. And nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, not even... Not even a review, not even a hint of a free kick outside the box, because if you would given that, I think he probably knows that Var uh, would have had to get involved and then moved it to a penalty kick. You have the referee who had a clear view of it. It's in the linesman's quadrant. You have a video assistant referee. Nothing. Nothing. It's a decision that is, at the same time, both incredible and completely and utterly expected.
0: I mean, it is. I mean, look. <clears throat> at times, at times when you're down there, you you generally just think, what's the fucking point? You no, know, what is it? You no, know, us going down there, as you say, you look at that team of theirs. You know, I I agree with they were they were kind of on the beach. You know, he made he you know their manager made a heap of changes because he knows fine their season is, is is basically over. You know, they're out the cup. They're you know, they've, they've nothing really to play for. they they're they're just they're in second. And then you go down there, you got know, an absolute clown of a referee like Beaton, who is just never going to give. We're just never going to give us anything, and never mind us. He's never going to give anybody anything. You know, we've all seen. We've seen the stat is at fifty-two league games since they conceded a penalty. You know, you know fine that you're just. You're, you know fine. We've said. We've known for years. I think you posted it earlier today, Richard. Thirty years since our last penalty at Ibrox. You know, and there comes a point when you just have to have to like have to start calling this stuff out. And I quite, and I did, I really enjoyed, you know, Barry Robson's comments after the game about it, because he obviously can't go overboard and get himself into trouble, but you've got to be asking the question there, you no, know, why is that not being looked at? That is in every, in every, you know, way you want to look at it. And a, a 100%, you know, stonewall to and to just not get anything for the referee not to do anything for the linesman not to do anything you know and you're sitting at nil nil at that point as well um and you know it's i know it's one of the laziest cliches about when you go to ibrox but you know you need to get you need to have things go your way and you know it's it's just it's not incompetence by the referees (laughs) because they have var and so that could be that could be looked at, but Beaten doesn't make a decision on the pitch, so therefore I think, as a, as I understand it, I'm you know, willing to be willing to be educated on VAR. Um, you no, know, nothing can be done. And it's well, just, they
1: can they can overturn a clear what they believe is a clear and obvious error. So, the, so, 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 so if he given a free kick, for example, because yeah, he, so he believed it was outside the box. Saw that
0: and saw that and. They felt that there was nothing. There yeah, was nothing essentially, there. three
1: officials have looked at that. You've yeah. got the referee, the assistant referee, and the VAR official have looked at that, and all of them have decided it wasn't a foul. Which it, is just it, it it, beggars it, belief. It
0: simply, it simply comes down to the fact that it's cheating. It's simple as that. There's nothing. There's no other way. No, this isn't some some sort of like. You no, know, we know we hear, but we hear about no Celtic fans giving all their conspiracy stuff. This that is from John Beaton. It's just pure and simple cheating. There's nothing, there's no other, there's
1: nothing else it can be. Well, let me let okay, ask this. Is, I mean, it, is it, is it cheating? it and, and... is it a conspiracy? Is it him trying to engineer a particular result? Which honestly, I'm not sure I believe in. Or is it more the case that there's going to be a, an almost understandable spinelessness from a referee to give a contentious decision against either of the two mobs, to be honest with you? Because, you know, we're, we're less than a month away from a referee's home address being posted on the internet and him receiving death threats for giving a decision against one of those sites. So do you, do you actually think it's sort of conspiracy to, to benefit that side? Or do you think it just comes from a general, I don't want the hassle. I'm going to make the safe, easy call. And therefore, as a result, you don't referee the game fairly.
0: I suppose there is. I suppose there's probably some merit in merit in saying it that way as well. Um, I know. I, c- I can completely understand why that would be and why they would be influenced that way. Um, it just seems to be. I think though. I think three of the last five times we've played there, I think Beaton's been the referee. Um, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that Enhan stands out from in the previous games that. No, that I can recall offhand. But well, he
1: gave the he gave the equalising penalty kick in the two two draw. Um, when it was Bates on Sakala, and it so was did. fuck all on that. So just I did. think that's a variance in comparison. The, um, the sort of amount of contact that was required for those two decisions.
0: Well, uh, this and like yesterday, for example, yesterday there was there wasn't. You know, it was let's say what eighty. let's be generous and say the home section was eighty percent full. Um, it was It was probably less than that, but so there's there wasn't this sort uh, you know mythical Ibrox atmosphere intimidating him where you know every decision and you know you hear from behind the lines when he's getting abused about giving decisions things like that. You no, know, this is one of these things where we sometimes hear that can, that can af- affect an official. So that wasn't there yesterday. And it's like, I don't I don't think John Beaton is an incompetent referee. I think you know, in terms in you know, the sadly I think that. He's probably one of the better ones we have, and that's an, an indictment on the referees. But I do think I do I generally do think that just there's there is a thing where particularly with when he's doing Rangers games, he favor he favors them. Uh, now, I don't know what school he went to. I don't know if what know any of that sort of stuff. Don't really care about that. Um, no, that's for that's for Celtic and Rangers fans to tie themselves up in knots over. But I do think that there's he fa- he does favour r- Rangers and yesterday that is an absolutely outrageous decision. um I, I know obviously, obviously saw today as well. And, you know, if anybody, if anybody wants to, you know, give themselves a laugh at how to see you know, a completely ill illiterate, you know, ill educated hon just see our replies on Twitter. Where some of them, where half of them, don't know the laws of the game, and the thing was, the reason they don't know the laws of the game is because they get absolutely every decision it goes their way. So why would they have to bother learning, you know, how the laws of the game work? Because in every, let's like say, by every metric, that was a foul yesterday should have been a penalty kick.
1: Um, anything to add, Martin Ingram?
0: I think Martin's been pretty comprehensive there, to be honest. Um,
2: the. The only thing I'd add, though, is there are contentious decisions on a football field and then there are things that happen that just appear so objectively irrefutable that you just sit and question your own reality. You know, am, I, am I going crazy? Is this really actually happening? even i mean we obviously covered in in great detail the situation that led to Graham Shinney getting a red card and, and now a four game suspension and i completely disagree with the decision but 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 at least you can disagree with a decision where you can comprehend the the decision making process which led to that result happening where um you know to my mind, a player should have an opportunity to go in and win the ball cleanly um, and, and it shouldn't be predicated upon, you know, potentially, you know, un- unknowable outcomes in terms of how, you know, how the angles of bodies are going to clash afterwards. But at least you can put an argument through that after he won the ball, there has been contact with on with his studs on another player's leg. And if, if they're interpreting that as a black and white situation of, uh of clear foul play at least he can construct an argument around why they might arrive to that decision connor connor golson has been beaten all ends up by a, a bit of skill by duke um duke has got goal side of him connor golson's wrapped both of his arms around him wrestled him to the ground on his knees and you know, I would be expecting at that point the debate is going to be it's a definitive foul, and we're going to be calling Varen about okay, did that carry on into the box or not? Is it is it is it a penalty kick as well? But he's it's for me, it's it's uh, that, that 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 he's committed a foul is be beyond question. So um, to to what you guys have said beforehand, first of all, how how have a group of officials on on the field not witnessed that when everybody in the ground has? And what what has stopped VAR from coming in to 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 essentially correct what could only have been a clear and obvious error because Connor Goldson has uh, been beaten goal side, grabbed a player with both arms and wrestled him to the ground. I, if that is not a foul, what? Why are we even bothering with this? I mean, and and. You know, I know. I know. It sounds. It sounds sour grapes after the after after the event in a, in a, in a game where you lose, and it would have been another really good reason to have wished for this to get a win because at least we'd have had be able to speak from it from a uh, a position of it sounding less like being bitter about the result. But it but it but it really isn't. Um, there needs and, and 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 the most frustrating aspect is there doesn't there there doesn't appear to be any repercussions in terms of the officiating crew having missed that. The fact that it didn't get called up by VAR meant it didn't also get that kind of whole media Stuart Dougal run through. I have no no idea what the point of those segments are on BBC anymore or, or on Sky Sports where effectively you get a referee through and they basically just parrot or effectively construct reasons why the officials came to the decisions that they came in any event, it seems a bit of a pointless exercise. What I'd, what I'd like to see is a situation where officials, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be immediately after the match. I mean, I get I, be reasons why supporters in the heat at the moment won't want to hear what the reasoning is of a referee as a, in the immediate aftermath if it goes against them, but it really would be helpful if we were going to get some, some kind of feedback, public feedback, on how officials are at least supposed to be arriving at those decisions because i really need somebody to explain to me how uh wrapping and uh, wrapping your arms around something i mean it was a move that that martin would have been more familiar at seeing during you know, you know wrestle zone and and yet that apparently isn't a foul these days so so having hadn't having had very little more to add on that i've now ranted on for another five ten minutes on it, so <laughs> I
1: yeah stop bringing wrestling into this lads um <laughs> Connor Goldson lived a typically charmed life. Martin Clunas, um, Pataudri's breakdancing champion of August 2019, he had the, the clear yellow card on uh, Lopez early on which uh, again the referees managed to miss and um, VAR don't get involved in yellow cards. Um, there's the penalty kick incident and there's another one in the second half where uh, Lopez skins him down the uh, left-hand touchline Golson takes a, a side at him. Um Lopez gets away, and you know, is the referee coming back for a booking? Is he hell, as like?
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a, that's three, three book, three. three we'll, we'll call them just three booking into bookable offences. There. I mean, even though we could talk about the penalty, the other one, the other one, because there was no intention to win the ball. Um, but there you go. I mean, that's just another, another.
1: It's another chuck to Ibrox, on- isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just another trip. I would like I say, sometimes sometimes you generally think, what's the point? No, I wasn't there, but there was like no, but nine hundred tickets, nine hundred fifty, whatever as people went down there, and you go there and you're not getting, you're not you're not getting refereed to the same standard as in other as as in other games. It's like you know I get like say seriously, what? Sometimes you just have to think, what is the point? We're not we're not playing on a level playing field. They get give, they get away with so much, so many so many decisions in their favor, and then when you're looking for the referee to be not even to be strong, just for the referee to do his job properly, what happens? He he, he allows Goldson off with three no pretty pretty no awful fouls.
1: So having not taken our first half chances, having not been given a first half penalty kick. I thought the start to the second half was was not great from us. Um, I thought we were just a little bit too much in the back foot, weren't able to construct the same opportunities on the break that we had done in the first half, weren't able to link up well enough. Increasing pressure without them ever looking like they were a way to score, it has to be said. Uh, Kelly Roos had a... Had a Solid afternoon. uh made a, a number of saves, albeit nothing that I wouldn't expect him to make. Unlike the, the one from close range last uh, two weeks ago at Petardry, which was a which was a great save. We then lose a goal, and it's it's a good finish, but oh man, Johnny Hayes, he's he's doing a Jim Laiton, isn't he, Martin Ingram? He's waving it past the post when it finds the bottom corner.
2: Yeah, the, the 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 only thing I'd say about that is Barry Robson in the post match was basically saying that again, acknowledging that it was it was a, a a good strike by Cantwell to put it in the back of the net, but that there's been a failure in terms of their their marking in order to stop that happening. Now, without knowing which player in that situation is supposed to be picking up a deep run from the back the back of the the, the penalty box, is hard to know. Um, yeah, Johnny's had a bit of a, l- a flap at that, or lack of flap at that. But
1: it's a margin though, isn't it? I mean, if you consider two weeks ago, Leighton Clarkson does so well to get back on the line and clear. Morales' shot off the line at nil nil, and then we have this happening at uh, on the game on Sunday.
2: Yeah, but it but it shows you that, and and I imagine that's the kind of thing that. Barry Robson will be going back to the players and saying because you're absolutely absolutely right that's that's actually the anomaly in two months of almost flawless football in terms of the way that we've defended and the way that we've approached defending um but that's the real challenge if you're going to move on from where we currently are right now as you know back in third place in the league but uh, you know a pretty significant you know points gap away from Rangers and Celtic um, to get to that next level is about, um, being switched on throughout the entirety of the match. And that's a challenge that's incredibly tough. And that's unfortunately the reality at that level of football is if you're not switched on for one moment at one corner, um, uh, a, a team or a player with sufficient qualities is, is going to punish you for that, um, because. Other, other than that we okay we I, I mean in fairness I think we rode our luck in other situations and and again you, you know you, 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 you give you take away credit you give credit in other situations John Johnny Hayes has done really well in somehow managing to conjure a clearance off the crossbar um, from a situation you know those kind of cross balls across the face of the goal. You either bundle that into your own net or if you don't get on the back of it then there's a player waiting in the six yard box ready to convert so so we've rode our luck on other occasions as well but um but yeah that's 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 going to be the challenge in those games that you need to be switched on for the entire 90 minutes and if you're if you're not quite if you're not quite in the right position or if you're not quite ready for those particular opportunities then that that could be that could be the end result um so take nothing away from the finish um, but I think it could have been defended better, obviously, and um, hopefully that will be a something that will will be looked at in the training ground and um, work done to address it in the future.
1: Well, having having been on the back foot, Martin, and not having had a great start to the second half, and not being able to get forward, once we did go behind, there, were, there was some half openings. Shaden Morris, as well, a working opportunity. Alpi Bavage doesn't quite get enough um, onto a header. Uh, again, th- there was the th- the belief that we could actually hurt them it remained to the end. And we were in the game right to the end. It's not something I want to be necessarily congratulating them for or doing cartwheels over. Um, but th- there were still some encouraging signs, especially by that point. You have to remember taking off um, your two main strikers, Mijofsky and Lopez.
0: Yeah, we did. We had a few. Well, I was, I was. Chan- I know. I would say, you know, half chances and opens there, and I guess that's. I guess that is to be commended. But you're yeah, right. You know, we're, you know, there's no, there's no joy in saying, oh, well, we tried really hard. You know, but you know, it, it's that thing where we we speak about. You know, when you go down there, you need things to go your way. You know, you know, you make a you no, know, a little bit of a, a bit of a mistake for for them to to score. Um, obviously something that you know could have done better at and then but we had we had chances we had opportunities um you know when he changed it and obviously put on had Watkins and Bavage um and Morris as well it's it's something different but it was still it was it was decent there was chances there and it's goes to I mean their keeper their keeper they were raving about their keeper as if he'd had you know he was like no peak Peter Schmeichel or something the way he played played Um, which was insane Um, because you know that's you know we were we were kind of you know like you say we drifted I think we didn't start the second half well as you mentioned I think I agree with that but you know we did we did come back back into the game and we were causing them problems Um, and he was making them make saves or you know putting their defense under pressure so that is to be that is to be commended. You know, we, we get down there and we can get the, we can get at them, which we know they can be gotten at. You know, um, it wasn't another of those days where you know Tavernier was marauding up the marauding up the right wing, you know, and taking all this free kicks and the set pieces and all this kind of shite that he likes to do to get himself noticed. Um, you know, we were we were pegging them back and we were you know doing doing some good work, and so that's something that you know if you're if you're wanting to take try and take some positives out of it, which I think we should. You, know, you always have to try and look for at least some positives is that you know we know find that they could be they can be gotten at um you know you compare you compare the substitutions we made to the substitutions they made um I thought was stark where we we put on players who were looking to try and you know do things um, and try and get you no know, get get us get us back into the game where you know they put on you know big fat Alfie who you know barely moved his moved his arse um so it's very telling that you no know, the the two teams and i think you know there was one team there was one team in the ascendancy in the game and that was us but unfortunately when you know find us a one nil down it was just uh just couldn't seem to get that the the proper opening to get back into it
2: just to quickly add on that i thought martin martin made a great point there how how often have we gone to ibrox and their best player at the end of the match was our goalkeeper um we, I'm, I'm by no means suggesting that we went and littered their goal mouth with heaps and heaps of opportunities, but we did carve, carve out four or five really good opportunities and, you know, credit credit to McCrory, he, he stood up and and um, uh, made the saves when necessary, but I think it speaks a lot to our performance that he was probably our best player.
1: I mean, he probably is the, the sort of reincarnation, not that he's dead, but he probably is the, in the mould of Peter Shilton in one way because coming through the, the youth banks at Ibrox, he probably does hate foreigners. So um, anyway, moving on from Ibrox at the weekend and our last visit to that repulsive venue until next season. Um, let's nail our fanzine-type colours to the mast, gents and talk about the proposals which have come out about this uh, this conference league and um, the chances of AFC being invited to contribute a B team, a Colts team, I, I'm repulsed even by saying that word, to the league, a league which would be inserted above the current Highland and Lowland Leagues, beneath the current Scottish League Division um, 2. Th- what is it about um, the current team based that at ibrox that uh, just loves to skip leagues and try and get inserted into a league higher than they should be martin ingram i
2: uh, happy to take this first um and um having having liaised with a number of my uh fans fanzine writing uh sadly former colleagues in that regard um yeah um one of those aspects where i think there is unanimity amongst fans that this is just an absolute utter nonsense. Um, the, 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 the thing that I don't understand is um they're talking about having you know B teams effectively shipped in at this artificial fifth tier level. Um, if if they're if they're so keen about getting their Colts teams um, this kind of game time, why why don't we just have have a reinsertion of the of the reserve league? Um, you, you'd be then getting exactly the same games in opposition um, and keeping it in a way which is entirely separate from the pyramid system. Um, it, I just don't see how it will work in practice. I mean, um, as a 10-team league, you're then saying, so if it's going to be... W- w- which way around does split again? Is it, is, it, is it up to four Colts teams or six Colts teams? Um, because... Four. Four. So so for the for, for for the Colts team that's basically almost half of the league.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was four B teams, four low league teams and two highland league clubs.
2: Yeah. And so so for 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 the Colts team, if you're having a league where half of them are Colts teams, what you know, or you know, why why not why not just have them play in their own reserve league? And in actual fact that would actually be a really to my mind, a really constructive solution because at the moment I think um it's 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 really clear that there is so so, so there is some credence in the idea that from for the likes of uh, Aberdeen and other top flight teams there is a real gulf between players you take like an Alfie Babbage where you play a number of seasons and the the youth team and you're playing at under 18s level and then all of a sudden there's this massive jump up into top flight football and I think there is a kind of a missing stepping stone unless you are going to be loaning those players out elsewhere but I would have thought that you know reintroducing uh, some form of reserve, reserve league structure would be a far more constructive way of providing that opportunity if loaning those players out to other teams isn't seen as being in 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 the best interests um but how is this going to work for the lowland highland league teams i was trying to think that if you if you introduce that next season um i can't imagine a team like a uh, uh, brora rangers to be particularly keen about the fact that they're going to be spending you know the vast majority of their games you know if if if, if almost half of the teams are going to be lowland, lowland league teams they're going to be traveling down from brora to the 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 the, the I don't mean this disrespectfully in terms of the lower league, but you know the 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 nether regions of football, as far as they are concerned, and, and and I I just don't see what the appetite would be for for them, and 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 especially you know we we we, we have seen how uh, badly attended um, some of the Challenge Cup games or lowland league games are in relation to the the Rangers B teams. I mean, it's not it doesn't seem to be anything which is um, attracting a a welter of fans to to, to to go to the likes of Spartans or the University of Stirling to go and see their team play. So I, I can't see it holds a lot of attraction for the, 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 the lowland and highland teams that would be involved in that as well. And then, of course, the, the the massive elephant in the room is that if you're just artificially introducing a fifth tier of football, then you've essentially, by default, relegated over 200 football teams. Um, it, it There just seems to be... No logical merit to the way that they're doing that, and again, as as I said beforehand, it's not to say that there might not be value in 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 looking at other ways to 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 introduce a uh, an an interim tier of football between uh, the youth league and the top flight teams for for those teams in the top flight, but this isn't the way.
1: How then, Martin Clunas, do we um, from a point of view of, and again, it's one of these issues where there might be. Some Aberdeen fans out there in favour of Aberdeen putting a team in this league. But I haven't seen many raise their hands. How best do we get our point across to the club? This is not something that we want our football club involved in. In fact, if it were able to be voted down, it goes beyond not being involved. I would want to be voting, my club to be voting against this. But as I understand it, it's going to be something which is just created and not up for vote within the SPFL or up for vote within the SFA. The SFA are just going to place this league here. But how do we best get a point across to those in charge of running our club?
0: Well, we're very lucky that we have a, a chairman who loves the sound of his own voice on social media, um, or he did until he was obviously had his illness. Um, and we've got Alan Burrows, who is... All, who is vocal, and in fairness, engages very well on social media. So there it is so if, if, if you're firmly against this, which should be honest, almost everything I've read, um, in terms of, you know, in terms of Aberdeen voices, because, you know, m- mostly my Twitter is basically like, you know, an echo chamber of basically Aberdeen football club stuff with some music stuff thrown in. Um, all I've not seen I've not seen anyone come out and and speak for this in you know being in favour of it. Um, so we have a situation where you know we've had other we've had some of the Highland league comes clubs, clubs come out and say no. Um, I saw Huntley at the weekend, I think it was, and a couple others have said that they're not we they wouldn't be happy with it. Um, you know, as supporters, you just have to you have to you know have your voice be heard, and whether that's on you know the club will undoubtedly you know release some sort of statement about this on social media. The colour club need to be told. Um, you no, know, I don't know. People, I don't think people write letters anymore. Um, but I certainly think you know that you know the club are reachable. But you know, if, by emails. If you no, know, if, if people don't want don't want us to go ahead. Which I mean, it is it's a it's an awful idea. It's an awful idea. Um, I don't I don't think there's any any merit in it at all. Um, there's a some some other solution needs to be found, um, because, as you say, you know, the, putting four teams in there. Um, you know, you're basically going to have, you know, it's going to be Colts teams, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's, they're going to be playing against Highland, Highland league sides and Low League side, it's like, it just, I don't see any merit in this. Um, Again, the solution is to bring back in some form, as Martin says, the reserve, the reserve league, and have them have, you know, if you want to do that, have your, your youth players or whatever you want to call it, playing competitive football in that, in that aspect, playing against Similar teams, rather than you know, against you know, you know part part time players. Um, so yeah, get get in touch with the club. There are you no, know, the, the chairman, the chairman and the CEO are on social media. They, they we we know they read that sort of stuff. You know, um PR. What's her name? Zoe. She's on social media as well. People who can be people who can be contacted, and if they see that the fans aren't happy about this, and one thing. To caveat with as well is, I've said this many times on here, I'm very uncomfortable with telling people how to support the team. So if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But if you're firmly against this, get, get in touch with those people and tell them that this is the wrong thing to do. And as you're saying, just in terms of in sporting merit, installing this league in there, as, as Mark says, will be relegating like 200 clubs down a, down a division. You know where's where's the where's the merit in that you know it's 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 a you know we'll, we'll bring back it we'll bring back a phrase that we used to hear an awful lot about sporting integrity um, and there's no integrity in doing this it's fundamentally wrong
1: you guys know that there is already an SPFL reserve league right so there's ten teams in it, the likes of Hibs, Muddle, Dun United and Kamaric of sides in it, along with some of the uh, championship teams, such as Air United, Queen, South and Hamilton. Uh, but with being ten teams on it, how many how many games do you think they've played this season?
0: Come on,
1: then. Nine. They played each then, other so once.
0: So what's what's the what's the point? Yeah. What's, no, there's they don't they don't. It's it's just a, that's just a bo- a box ticking exercise. Clearly, you know, make it a proper thing. Make it, you know. Four times a four times a season, two times a season, whatever you want. Have them playing regularly. Instead, you no, know, make it make it matter, because it's there. It can be done. You know, rather than you know, like like Martin rightly mentions Alfie Bavage there. Alfie Bavage is probably right now too good for be to be playing at the level he's at, but not quite ready to be playing in the first team. So have the res- have the reserve league where you're mixing with. Maybe fringe players and young players, which is like it's a much closer um a much closer bridge to the first team than just you know some of the colts just it's ridiculous
1: yeah i'm 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 not convinced that the reserve League is the right way forward, and I'm not sure what is the right way forward, maybe this is something. Where a genuine kind of cross-border competition, maybe joining in with the sort of Premier League youth teams or something, might might be a way forward. I I just I just don't know. Um, but what I do know is that this proposal absolutely stinks and it needs to be stopped. Um, although, as I say, I'm not sure it can be stopped. But if it can't be stopped, I don't want Aberdeen having any part in that. Uh, moving on, we have we will have another podcast coming out later this week. Um, Martin England, do you want to tell us a bit more about it?
2: I would love to. So, one of the things that uh, both Richard and Martin said when they kindly invited me on to be a, a co-host on this is that they were very clear that they were welcoming of new ideas, um, a different take on one or two things, and something that um, I've certainly been passionate about for a, a number of years now is the the Aberdeen FC Women's team and. What I will be uh, hoping to present to you in the coming day or two is our first ever Aberdeen FC women dedicated podcast. So we have a couple of very knowledgeable uh, guests who have given their time to, to speak on uh, both the the women's team and the state of scottish women's football more generally so we were able to get hold of sophie goodwin who uh is the sports journalist with uh press and journal evening express she has been covering the women's team for a couple of seasons now so is very knowledgeable uh not only on uh scottish women's football but on the Aberdeen women's team specifically. Um, We also have a returning guest in Jill Campbell, the former performance analyst at Scottish Women's national team. So um, she has worked at the the very top tier of Scottish women's football with likes of Celtic and Rangers um, and obviously with the national team as well. Um, And we've also been able to speak to the the team captain herself, Lauren Campbell, who very kindly uh, gave uh, an hour or so of our time Uh, at the beginning of last week. So hopefully we will be able to get that out uh, just before uh, Aberdeen FC women's last home game of the season, which will be on Wednesday evening. Uh, If anyone hasn't had... Uh, the opportunity or the inclination to go and see them play this will be their last home game in the season it's going to be a really important game they're currently sitting ninth in the table and are just hovering a couple of points above Dundee United in 10th who themselves are only hovering a couple of points behind uh, above Hamilton Aki's in 11th which is the the relegation playoff spot this season so only a few games to go and Uh, A win against United would go a long way to both solidifying ninth spot in the league and uh, eliminating any possibility of relegation. So if you've, you've never given it a chance beforehand, Wednesday evening, Balmoral Stadium, I would highly recommend it and I would obviously also highly recommend the podcast.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to listening as well, Martin. I think what we've always said about this was that if we were going to do this, if we we're going to do anything around this, we want it to be authentic. Uh, you're someone that goes to uh, pretty much all the home games for the women's team. We've got a couple of guests on that really know that team, really know that league. Uh, really know the game up here in Scotland and uh, yeah I hope I hope that's what comes across I hope it just comes across as a- an authentic discussion on the team this season uh, so I-, I think the way forward on this I, I-, I think we're going to aim for monthly next season um, when things kick off again next season um, but we'll see how we go uh, obviously we'll see what the interest is like and again you know, we'll see what other voices we can we can bring to you who who are knowledgeable and informed about the game up here as well. Um, I think I think this will be a, a certainly a, a first for the Aberdeen podcast to have a dedicated show, uh, and I hope some of you enjoy it. I, I I know it won't be for everyone. That's fine. You don't have to come and tell us if it's not for you. Uh, you just don't have to. You just don't have to listen. Okay. Um, Later this week, obviously the start of a whole week of festivities uh, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of a small football match in Western Sweden. So uh, there's a corporate dinner on Thursday, Uh, then the team and the football club itself are receiving the Freedom of the City in an event at Pataudry on Friday. with Martin Ingram no Martin let's go Martin um with every passing year this just becomes a more and more unlikely feat doesn't it such have been the distorting forces of neoliberal economics on the game that we love um what happened in, in 1983 could not happen in 2023 but uh, my word it was magnificent.
0: It was, and it, and every everything that's going to be happening for the the, the rest of the week, you know, there's, um, and as you said, there's the dinners and the freedom, the the, the medals being awarded to the the members of the, the squad and the group that didn't receive them. It's all richly deserved because, as you say, this you no, know, this couldn't happen nowadays. You know, the way that football is set up now, it is not, it is no the way that you know European football is with no teams dropping out of Champions Leagues into. Europa Leagues into this and that and you're just it isn't it's set up to stop, you know, dare I say smaller teams from from you know achieve, achieving things like that te- that team won and it rightly, you know I know there's been some chat in the past where they said the get the guy says they're no they're not gonna have you know they're gonna maybe scale back the celebrations, but this is a fortieth anniversary. It's a proper proper, you know, anniversary. It it it's rightly being marked, it's been marked in a big way because it is, it's, what, it's it's unfathomable to think of that being being done. Um, you know, if you think of it, and even back then as well. You know, you know either either side of us winning that tournament was is Juventus in Barcelona. You think of it that way. You know, the run the team went on to win the trophy, unbe- unbelievable. And you know, every single every single thing that's going to be going to be written and said this week. You know, there's going to be some great stuff coming out and there's a couple of tv tv shows coming on as well um i'm just i'm, I'm looking forward to it so much just um just you know this, just really just you know letting, the, letting it wait. the wave come over me of nostalgia
1: <laughs> in terms of the stuff that's already out there we'd point you towards um the journals have produced a, a standalone um paper, I suppose you'd call it, uh, booklet, um, which is available um, in co-ops around the city, certainly the one on the co-op on Union Street still has a good stock in if you want to pick it up. I think it goes for a fiver and uh, it's it's got a lot of reading in it. Uh, I think they've been butchering a lot of that for online content this week, uh, but it's still worth picking up because it's got some excellent archive photos in it as well. Uh, Jonathan Northcroft managed to get a piece in the big paper. I don't know if it did actually make the paper. I might have to ask him if it did actually make the paper. Not that I'm a regular Sunday Times purchaser. Um, but it's a long read about that team. Interviews with some of the key players. Those are definitely two things to pick up and look out for. As Martin said, there's two TV programmes on on the Thursday. Um, in terms of what we're doing, we're, we're not going to do anything. Um, just for me, it kind of feels almost Martin Ingram as if... Almost all the stories have been written in a way. It feels really difficult to get a fresh angle. Obviously, if you look back, we've had interviews with some of the guys that played that night. And we've had their after-dinner anecdotes. And it it just feels trying to come up with something a little bit different, a little bit fresh, very, very difficult. So we're going to let the pros take over this one. um, And... uh, you know, nostalgia, we we do rely on it quite a lot for the for the feed. Um, curating that is often quite fun. And, uh, you know, the same familiar footage will get reeled off. Um, but uh, it's those lads. And, of course, there's a poignancy this time, this major celebration. First one in 10 years. In that the team's no longer together.
2: Uh, no longer together uh, in in physical presence but um certainly still together in spirit and we we all know how well remembered i mean certainly neil cooper in particular um is going to be forever remembered for his not only his attributes on the pitch but also for uh, um some of the fantastic stories that happened off them as well and of course a number a number of the people the in the back room the likes of Dick Donald, Chris Anderson, no longer with us, sadly. But for for those that are still here, and 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a bit, it's a, it's a, it's a bit, again, pessimistic to talk of it. But as the years pass on, um, inevitably, you know, less and less of the people that will be involved might have the opportunity to be at fiftieth or sixtieth anniversary. So, absolutely nothing wrong with reveling in it. Uh, it's funny when you're talking earlier about the Aberdeen. Uh, uh, FC Women's podcast and, and and wanting to have an authentic view in relation to that, I'm quite happy to pass that task on to people who, who will be far more authoritative than myself, who was barely a four-year-old at the time that we won the Cup Winners' Cup. I really don't know what cogent uh, contributions I'd have been able to make at that time, other than what might have been in the contents of my diapers. Um, but... Um, You know it's a it's a source of massive pride for everybody involved with the club and everybody that supports the club if you are if you are lucky enough to be um able to vividly remember at the time then i'm just entirely envious of you um let alone if you actually manage to be one of the uh, i don't know what the numbers are now the hundred thousand people that were on the 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 ferry to gothenburg (laughs) by now um but yeah um the it, it, it really is. It, it doesn't get any less incredible in the dictionary sense of the word when you think back to the fact that not only did Aberdeen win a European title, but if you're going to win a European title, why not go to whole hog and beat Real Madrid in the final by doing it? I mean, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And um, the, the remaining players and staff and everybody that was affiliated with it are more than entitled to drink it in, to revel in it for the entire week, and uh, I'll be more than happy to join them in that.
1: Oh, which brings me to this week's Northern Light moment. Now, we've had some great goals in this feature, some important goals, some key games, cup wins, players. But I think I'd be right in saying that this will be the first piece of repurposed public transport that will make the list. My Northern Light moment this week is the St. Clair. For those of you that don't know, the St Clair was the name of the ship that used to ply the Aberdeen to Orkney and Shetland route. But, in a pretty inspired move, um, PO decided to move it off that route for a week and have it run to Gothenburg, leaving Aberdeen Harbour on the 9th of May 1983. It strikes me as the ultimate party boat. Every statistic relating to alcohol screams excess. Cases of lager bought by the tens of thousands. More alcohol needing airlifted in during the return journey by helicopter. And yet, despite the total absence of sobriety, not even a single light bulb was broken, in the words of the ship's captain. Ageing is terrible. It's miserable. I haven't wished I was older since I was in my teenage drinking merry down in Car Park Stage, and I hope to get into pubs. But I do wish that I'd been just a little bit older. Another ten years or so older to have been able to make that trip on the St. Clair in 1983. There's a BBC news crew made that trip. Uh, you have the sort of plummy, refined English tones of the uh, of the broadcaster jarring up against the utter carnage uh, of the footage itself. Right at the end of the return trip, there's a piece about how the very last words that came from the purser whether would the passenger who lost his false teeth come to reception, where he will find them stuck in an apple. A perfect summary of what must have been the most incredible four-day ferry trip ever undertaken. Each and every one of you who were on there, if any of you who were there, listen. I am so, so jealous. That must have been just the most incredible way to go to the most incredible football match. So yeah, this week's Northern Light Moment is a Sinclair Ferry. Now on Saturday, the Gothenburg team will be presented to the crowd ahead of the game against Hibs. And this becomes a very big game now because suddenly Martin Clunas saw a Hibs win and they're within three points of us. And it becomes a three-way fight potentially for that third place. But this is surely a time where we need to be attacking the opportunity to really go out with another strong dominant home performance and put pay to any hopes Hibs might have?
0: Absolutely 100%, you know, just this is, you know, you know dare, dare I say, you know, I, you know, scratch obviously yesterday's result from the books, you know, just as business as usual, you just, it's a case of, you know, I, you know like you say, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't you think of a better phrase, absolutely attack the opportunity. There it is, you know, just, you know, Hibs are are obviously getting themselves into a position where they they may be maybe I think finding a little bit of form. You never know, but you know this is this is our our chance now. Just you know, you beat them. It's a huge step towards securing third. Um, I think um, Hearts have got St Mirren, um, so that would be you know, that's that will be a tough tough game for them as well. St Mirren will obviously be wanting to. Wanting to you know to, to to bounce back after losing it the losing it the weekend, so this is it's a huge like again it's a it's a huge opportunity it's a huge it's another one make a big statement there's going to be a massive crowd, um, you know I think there's there was talk about all you there know, not being a lot of tickets left which is great a you know, nice big big crowd a you know, big opportunity for the for the team to give us you know a, another, you know I've said it a few times times on here this season is another statement win, um, and you. Know, Really, this Hibbs team who are probably fancying themselves will be fancying themselves at the very least to get fourth because they'll see they'll have seen Hart stumbling, um, you know, and struggling. Obviously, you know, they're going to be missing, um, they're going to be missing the lad Cochrane now as well for a couple couple of games. So, like, Hibbs will be seeing that and thinking that they can capitalize on that opportunity. We need to stop that, and there's no better way to do it in front of a massive, big crowd at Pac Patadry. Uh, dispatch them put them back in their box and then we can look on to the next game
1: yeah martin because as much as i can be fatalistic and say hibbs could be right back in it win the next two games it's virtually done
2: i think it's the perfect opportunity we have done the hard work over the last seven eight games in getting ourselves in a position of being five points clear of hearts um is it six now ahead of hibbs um so we're at home we've got destiny in our own hands we couldn't have surely wanted anything other than this going into the final set of fixtures um and i would be stunned if barry robson wouldn't be going about this in any other way than he has done since he came in charge telling his team go and impress our style of football on the opposition um and let's take it out of their hands um win at home against hibbs win at time the job is done and we don't have to worry about the results around us but you know even even if it doesn't work out that five point advantage is a is is is, is a big advantage i think it. It makes the world of difference at this stage in the season having the points in hand and I think it allows you to play with a freedom that uh potentially potentially your opposition doesn't have. Because again, I think although the likes of Hibbs will probably looking at Saturday as, a, as an opportunity they're, they're the team that has it all to do they're the team that really will have to they're probably going to look at having to come to Petaudry and win to have realistic chances of getting further up the table and if anything I think that might suit us because the, it's the it's the one thing from the way that we played and again it was, it, was, it was shown on Sunday against Rangers we're actually incredibly good in situations where teams want to try and come out and play against us and it really might leave them open to the counter-attack so if anything the fact that the pressure is really on Hibs to come to audrey and actually have to play and try and win they can't really afford to sit back and and play out a draw because the the there are only four games remaining and when you've got that five point advantage um and i, I if that i mean again i think we'd all be disappointed if it was a nil nil draw but it would pass another fixture down the line and it would keep us it would keep us in the box seat so i just see it all's opportunity um go 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 and play for the win like we would we would have done in any other circumstances we've got a great opportunity to kill this off with a couple of games to go and and, and even if it doesn't work out for whatever reason we've we've still got games in hand to do it so i i, I don't see why our attitude should be any different from what it has been so far
1: Michael are you making any changes or are you anticipating barry robson making any changes more at the point
0: i don't i don't think so i mean you know we, we, we can only we could probably stick with what we've been doing and then you know you're gonna obviously Coulson probably will still come in be in for McCrory. Uh, there's obviously no chance he's probably gonna play. Um so you you just you just stick with what we've been doing. Try and keep the as much of the same eleven as you as you can. Um, you know, I I don't see any reason for reason for changing. You know, other you no know, yeah the winning the winning run obviously came to an end yesterday at, at Ibrox, but no, what we've been doing before that was was very good and we've been we've been winning games yes some of the games have been a bit of a struggle and but we've gotten over the line so um absolutely we just again it's just concentrate i think it's, it's the it's the classic thing i am just saying just concentrate on ourselves worry about what aberdeen are doing um you know let let's not you know let's not change anything for to try and you know, accommodate Hibbs or whatever like that. Let's just do do what we do well. You know, we're very, very good going forward. We've got some excellent players. You know, Duke Majowski, Clarkson are you know, are are doing amazing at the moment. So just stick with that. Uh, do, you no, know, play our game, and I think we we'll, we'll we'll get a positive result.
1: All right. Well, let's hope we're back here next week talking to you about. A positive result. So um, that has been our podcast this week about the men's team. There'll be another podcast coming later this week about the women's team. Um, I hope you enjoy this one. I hope you enjoy that one. And I hope we see you next week in positive circumstances. My thanks tonight to Martin Ingram. Thank you. Thanks again. To Martin Clunas. Thank you. Thank you very much, Richard. And to you for listening. We'll be back next week. Come on you rats.